Hi, I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Be sure to subscribe for the latest updates and new episodes to this podcast. You can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Catch us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 on Facebook Live. Also, this Sunday, we'll have an outdoor service at 9 a.m. Church family, it's so good to be with you. Uh, I am on vacation, that's right, Uh, after a really, really long season um, that we've all been navigating, right? Taking some time this week to be away with family, so... Uh, I am excited to come to you this way, though, and share good news with you today. Uh, Excited to finish out our series. And so just wanted to jump on here and and share in the final week of our series uh, called Hope of Holiness, the hope of holiness. And specifically, we have been in one passage of Scripture now, not one week, two weeks, but this is our third week together in Romans chapter 8. Before we dive into part three of this series I want to begin with a story, and specifically a pet peeve of mine. Now, don't worry, I won't get into all my pet peeves, but I bet you have some, right? I bet you do. I have one pet peeve of mine, and it specifically involves uh, my kids. Now, these two words that my kids will say, maybe there's a lot of words that might bother me, maybe there's a lot of words that might drive me nuts, but these two specific words, when when anyone says them, it's hard, but for some reason lately, when my kids say them, it drives me nuts. You know what those two words are? No, 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 not not curse words or something like that. Those aren't good. My kids aren't saying those, okay? But, But these two words, I can't. I can't. Seriously, now, come on, come on. Come on, think, think with me for a minute. I want you to imagine, uh, and I'm going to focus a little bit now on my youngest. This may seem a little unfair because she's three, and man, she's really cute. But uh, my youngest, Glory, um, man, she's a lot of fun, and she's awesome, and we love her. But when she says those words, I can't, I'm going to tell you, it drives me nuts. Now, 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 listen, listen, I'm a compassionate father, I promise. So I'm not talking about like, you know, Glory, cut your steak yourself. I can't. You know, I'm not talking about that. I mean, literally, it goes something like this. Might be working together, trying to get dinner on the table, trying to do something. I've got four kids. Everyone's loud, so there's always a lot of stuff happening in the house. So it feels like a rock concert or something. And trying to help get something out of the fridge or something out of the oven or something. And, hey, Glory, I need you to get your cup. It's time for dinner. And she just simply says, I can't. And in that moment, I'm like, what do you mean you can't get your cup? And you know, no, no, go get it. It's right. No, I can't. And, and it's in that moment, I'm frustrated. I'm not frustrated by her lack of ability. I'm frustrated because she hasn't even looked. She hasn't even tried. She's just said, I can't. And I'm going to tell you in that moment, there's this like holy, I'm going to say holy. I don't know that it's holy. This holy righteous anger that comes over me. And I'm like, whoa, I just want to scream because truth be told, uh, those are two words that I wish my kids never had in their vocabulary. Now, we all have limits and we are human and we are not perfect. So I know there are times in our lives where we can't do things, but I want my kids, especially my three-year-old, to always have an attitude that says, I can, Right? Don't we want that, parents, for our kids? I can. I can. I can. But, but today, I bring that story up, and I, I specifically focus on those two words because uh, in Romans chapter 8, we actually see a very true example of those two words in action, I can't. 
Amen. That, that's negative. And those are two words I wish were never in my vocabulary. But this is actually an instance in Romans chapter 8 where I can't is entirely appropriate because Romans chapter 8 is telling us something that really we can't do. I can't. And so as much as I get frustrated by three-year-old glory saying, I can't, I'm going to be honest, I read Romans chapter 8 and I have to look at the Lord and say, Lord, I can't. I can't. And if you haven't been with us, if you've missed part one and two of this series, jump online and catch up with us. But we are going to be in Romans chapter 8. We're going to start reading in verse uh, 1 all the way through the end to verse 8. We've been reading this passage over and over these last couple weeks. Uh, but we're going to read it again now. And I'm going to stop a little bit to remind us of where we've been in the past couple weeks and build towards where we will be today. Romans 8, starting in verse 1, it says this, Therefore... Therefore, we'll come back to that word in a minute. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. It starts, therefore, we know. We know if you were here in week one of the series that that's pointing back to Romans 7. And Romans 7 is talking about a problem. And Paul specifically, who writes Romans, is talking about a real I can't. And you know what that I can't is all about? It's this idea that there's sin. There's this desire, this sin nature within him. And there's this war within him that he's referring to in Romans 7. And the war is this, that he wants to live a life that pleases God. He wants to honor the Lord, but there are these desires. There is sin raging at war within him, and he can't, right? He can't overcome that battle on his own, but, but God can, right? That's the beautiful thing. I can't is kind of what Paul's saying, but the beauty, Romans chapter 8, is God can, and 8 verse 1 says, therefore. So, so because God can, because God can overcome this battle within, therefore, right, there's no condemnation. And that's what week one was about, that if we are in Christ Jesus, in relationship with Christ, finding our identity and purpose in mission, being sourced by Christ, that we are not condemned. We are not condemned. And that is good news, right? That is good news. Amen. And we keep reading in verse 3 of chapter 8. That was week 1. If you tuned in last week, oh, week 2 was this, starting in verse 3 of Romans chapter 8. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So again, if you missed out on last week, if you missed the ideas, again, this I can't, by the flesh, it's talking about living by the law, right? And the law is kind of by my morals, by being good enough, that the law alone cannot save us. So again, Paul would be saying, in Romans 8, I can't. I can't be moral enough. I can't be good enough. I can't check off enough religious boxes to save myself. I can't, right? So we understand, uh, looking back at last week, so we understand the failure of the law, but the success of Christ. And that's the beauty of Romans chapter 8, that we understand Christ did for us what we could not do on our own. We say, I can't. But God says, I can, and I did, and I will, right? So now we pick up 
verse 5 of Romans chapter 8, and this is where we will land in part 3 of our series. Would you read along with me? Verse 5 of Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Let's pause for a minute and understand. Paul begins to introduce this before verse 5, but he makes it really clear here. He's comparing two different kinds of people, two contrasting kinds of people. One is the person characterized by the flesh. And again, we hear this earlier in Romans 8, but he's making this really clear distinction in comparison here to those who uh, live according to the flesh and the person that is characterized as led by the Spirit. These are two very different kinds of people. And it begins here with the focus not on their actions, but rather their mind, right? Mind, and that word in Greek is phronio, right? Not Frodo, right? Phronio. And if you're not like big on Greek, here's what that word means in Greek. It means, it means our thinker, our thinker. I know that's not really a word, but when it's talking about our minds, that Greek word, because again, the Bible was not written in English, right? So we go back to the original language and try to understand the nuance, the context in which we're reading. And when Paul writes this word, he's talking about our mind, but he's talking about our thinker. And you know what he's really doing? He's talking about the track that plays in our minds constantly, in our brains, the, the thing that we hear over and over and over again. You thought you were the only one, right, that has the soundtrack going over and over and over. So when he's talking about the phronio, our thinker, the tape that runs constantly in our heads, what we consider, that's what he's talking about when he is talking about the focus on our minds. And so there is a life whose mind, a person whose mind is focused on the flesh. What does that mean? A mind, their thinker, the tape that plays over and over again in their head is focused on the flesh. That means that they're focusing on what I want, that I take what I want when I want, whatever makes me feel good, right? That's the phronio focused on the flesh. It's about me, 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 my needs, what I want, what makes me feel Good, but there is, in contrast, the person whose phronio, right, whose mind, whose thinker is set not on the flesh but on the spirit. And that person is in step with what God desires. It's in step with how God leads and how God directs. Let's continue. As Paul tells us in verse 6, he says this, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life in peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of flesh cannot please God. Interesting, again, in the original language here, there's no word that really means governed by. That's kind of our, literally, you know what it says in the Greek here? It's saying the mind of flesh. We kind of put that governed by to kind of help translate in English, but literally the Greek here says the mind of flesh is death and the mind of the spirit is life and peace. That's literally what Paul is saying here as he again helps us contrast these two different kinds of people. Some of us, some of us buy into this kind of self-help philosophy and mentality. There is, you know, the self-help industry, whether it be books, whether it be uh, videos and um, counseling, and I'm not downing any of those things, but, but it's, a, it's, a, it's like a billion-dollar industry. And many of us, 
many of us kind of have this philosophy and this idea that if we try harder, we work harder, we have a can-do attitude, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, and there's nothing wrong with hard work, and there's nothing wrong with committing and having goals, but the truth for us is the flesh alone, the flesh alone never has the power to truly transform us. Not the transformation that Christ wants to do. And this series is called The Hope of Holiness. And the truth is that our flesh alone, that trying to do things only in my strength and in my power and my abilities and working harder and trying harder, that alone cannot transform us. There is not hope in my flesh alone. I wrote this down. The flesh cannot do what the Spirit alone can do. The flesh alone cannot do what the Spirit alone can do. That's worth writing down. That's worth remembering. And that's the truth of Romans chapter 8 that Paul is saying, there's this war within me and I'm realizing that I can't. I can't win this war on my own. I can't overcome on my own. But he's recognizing through the power of the Spirit what the flesh cannot do, the Spirit can do. And so really Romans uh, 8 as we've been studying verse 1 through 8, we come now to the so what part of this passage. If, if, in week one we talked about there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So what? So what does that mean? If, as we talked about last week, if Jesus has freed you doing what the law couldn't do, so what? What does that mean for us? What do you do about that today? And the answer to that question is found in your mind. The answer, that so what question that we ask in response to Romans chapter 8 is found in your mind. What you think about, your response to your emotions, what compels you, what drives you, what role you allow the Holy Spirit to have in leading your life. Consider, right? Consider shortly after Paul says these words in Romans chapter 8 about the power of our mind in the mind of flesh, in the mind of the Spirit. Consider just, just a few pages later in Romans chapter 12, he says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, and don't miss this, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the truth that I want us to know and I want us to lean into, and this is challenging truth for us. And I say it this way, the change God wants to make in you starts in your mind. The change that God wants to bring in your life, the transformation that he wants to bring in your life starts in your mind. It's true. The reason that we struggle with this idea of holiness, right? We've called this series the hope of holiness. And as soon as I say that word holiness, uh, many of you begin to check out because you're like, oh, that's kind of a churchy word. Or holiness, that's never a word that could be used to describe me. But the truth is in God's word is God said, be holy as I am holy. 
And when he says that, he's laying out this, this expectation, this desire for his people. And God does not lay out an expectation or desire just to frustrate us so that we could spend our whole lives trying to be holy but realizing it's impossible. What God is trying to do here is show us that the transformation that he wants to bring within us actually starts in our mind. This is what we think holiness is. We think holiness is a checklist of right behaviors, of outward behaviors, that if we do the right thing and we don't do this and we do this enough and we do this more than we do this, then we will be holy and then God will be pleased and then that will be enough. The problem with that mentality and that attitude is it flies in the face of Romans chapter 8. Because Romans chapter 8 says it's not about the flesh. It's not about the law. Am I good enough? In my flesh, can I be good enough? It's not. Transformation is not an outward in process, right? Where I begin to clean up the outside and polish off the outside so that God can make me holy inside. No, no, no. The transformation, the change that God wants to bring actually begins in here, in here, in your mind, within. Not an outward in transformation, but an inside out transformation. You know, the phrase, it's just in your mind. It's all in your mind, right? That's a phrase and the idea that kind of underestimates, undervalues. It makes it seem like what's happening in your mind isn't valid or isn't important or is less important than what's happening other places. But do you know, do you know that your mind is an absolutely incredible thing? Yeah, it doesn't matter your IQ, it doesn't matter your intelligence, that your mind, the way you're created, the way that your mind works, it is like an absolute miracle. I was reading and I was studying this crazy idea. There's this scientific notion. They actually call it thin slicing. You know what it is? It's this idea that your mind has the ability, has the intuition that in just, in just a matter of moments, in a matter of a minute or two, your mind can perceive things that you can't even explain. I was reading this study and they asked um, a group of people that were familiar with somebody, uh, just characteristics and qualities about this person, how kind they were, how generous they were, some uh, characteristics to describe them. And then they had a whole different group of people that didn't know the person at all. They never met them. And th this other group of people were given five minutes. They were given five minutes to go into their dorm room or into their bedroom or into their living room and just for five minutes just observe. And then they asked both groups of people, the groups of people that have had relationships with this person that had known them for years and the groups of people that had never met them but for just five minutes could observe. And do you know that the observations were nearly identical? In fact, the people... The people in only five minutes of observing often more accurately answered the questions than the people that had known them. And you say, what, what does that mean? Well, I, I don't totally know what it means, but I know this, that it shows that our minds, we have the incredible ability, our intuition, our judgment, our perception. And absolutely, there are times when our perceptions are wrong. Absolutely, there are times when our gut instincts are not correct. But we have to step back sometimes and admire, wow, our mind, are, what an incredible thing. Incredible ability to perceive and to, and to think. And that in just a moment's time, we can perceive things that we can't even explain. Things that we're not even always sure that we understand happening in our mind. Our minds are incredible. Sometimes... Sometimes this idea, this phrase, it's all in your mind, leads us to think of this idea that what we think doesn't matter. 
But according to Romans chapter 8, nothing could be further from the truth. See, God wants to transform us. He wants to make us holy. Not just that he wants to, he can. Remember remember what Paul was saying in Romans 8? I can't. I can't. But the truth is God can. And he wants to transform us. And the truth is that the change he wants to make begins in our mind. That's where the power truly takes root. And so now I want to ask you, I want to ask you for a moment to take inventory of your mind. I want you to think along with me. I want you to think and consider what do you spend your time looking at or listening to, the things that feed your mind. What do you read? What do you study? How do you manage your thought and feeling life? Maybe I didn't even know you had a thought and feeling life to manage, but how do you manage those things in your mind? How do you respond to hardship or suffering, especially now in a season, right, where we're looking around us and the world around us is overcome by fear and anxiety? How do you manage and respond to hardship or suffering? How would others describe you? Faithful? Patient? Joyful? I'm going to actually be vulnerable now, and I'm going to take the inventory myself, and I'm going to share with you why I believe for me, for Adrian, this is one of the most challenging areas where the Holy Spirit constantly wants to do business in my life because I believe one of the biggest obstacles for me, for Adrian, in living a life that pleases God, in living a holy life, is the battle that exists in my mind. So so I want to be transparent, right? I've asked you to take an inventory. Can I take it with you today for just a moment? What do you spend your time looking at or listening to? Can I be honest with you? Then my response is sometimes whatever grabs my attention. Sometimes whatever I feel like listening to. Sometimes whoever, whatever is the loudest thing around me, the person, the thing that is most urgent is the thing that I listen to most. The question, what do you read or study? Man, I I say, yes, it's God's word and it's God's truth. But sometimes the thing I read, the thing I study is what feels most exciting, what entertains me, the thing that I'm drawn to, the thing that fills the space so I don't have to think about the other things that are stressing me out at the time. How do you manage your thought and feeling life? I am relationally driven. So often my thoughts and feelings are in the context of how others are feeling about me at the time. And in a time where we're so isolated from others, because I'm so relationally driven, my thought and feeling life can be pretty lousy sometimes, at least in my mind. How do you respond to hardship or suffering? Sometimes I feel like I'm a little paddle boat out in the middle of ocean being tossed to and from. It's like the circumstances of my day. I can either feel like I'm way up here or way down here. And so if I'm honest with you, sometimes I'm not sure that I respond great to hardship or suffering. Maybe outwardly nobody can see it, but in here, I'm a mess sometimes. I'm a mess. How would others describe you? It's a challenging question. These are challenging questions for me. And I'm attempting to be transparent here because if we remember what it says in Romans 8, remember, come back to the end of verse 8. It says this. What does Paul say? Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. 
those who are governed by, those who have the mind of flesh, that literally, when our minds are constantly fixed on me, 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 the things of this world, what I can feel, what I can touch, what I can hold on to, what I can achieve, me, 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 the mind governed by the flesh, if that's the way we're living, we cannot please God. We can't. We can't. Think of the implications of that. Many of us, many of us today, we, uh, if I asked you, do you want to please God? There's not a lot of people that would say, no, no, no. Uh, we desire God. Yeah, I want, to, I want to please you, God. But we think pleasing God is about earning love or earning approval or performance. And so we hear the idea of holiness and we think that's what holiness is. And we think I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to perform well enough. I'll never be able to earn that, right? But instead, you can choose, you can choose a spirit-led mind. Not only so that you can please God, but so you can understand His will for your life. Because we're promised, we're promised that when we live according to the flesh, when that's what drives us, when that's what our mind is fixed upon, we cannot please God. But the opposite implication is that when we choose to have our mind, our mind governed by the Spirit, a mind of the Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit to come and say, Holy Spirit, lead me from the inside out. Yes, there are things about me. Man, I wish I could do this better and I wish I, wish I, didn't, I didn't struggle so much in this area, but, but God, I'm not going to ask you to change me from the outside in. I'm going to allow the power of your Holy Spirit to come. And where the areas of my life where I say I can't, because in my flesh, according to the law, I, I can't be moral enough. I, I cannot do it on my own, but God, you can, so I'm going to invite your presence to come. I'm going to invite you to transform my mind. That's what it says in Romans 12. And in doing so, God, I believe there's hope. I believe there's hope for me. There's hope for every single person. No, no matter your past, no matter how broken you are, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? Because Jesus has come to do what I couldn't do on my own, and he wants to begin to transform you, starting in our mind as we allow His power and His strength to transform us. I want to close, uh, I want to close today with a prayer, and, and this is how I want us to pray today. I want us to pray uh, just that simple prayer that I've, I've kind of been saying throughout, and the prayer simply says, God, I can't, but you can. And I started by admitting, right, right, that I hate that phrase, I can't, because it seems so negative, and it seems, but, but I actually believe there's power today and recognizing and admitting something that we cannot do. I can't save myself. I can't transform myself. I can't on my own become who you, I, I can't be holy. I can't, but God can. God has made a way through Jesus and he can through the power of his spirit transform me from the inside out and help me live a life that pleases him and help uh, not, not just forgive me of my sin, but help me overcome the sinful desires raging within me. And he can give me the power and the strength and purify my heart and give me a mind led by the spirit to, and because of that, what's the fruit of that? It, it is hope, hope of the holiness 
of God. And so today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those of you today that feel so broken and so lost and so off course, that your life is so off course from the plan and the direction that God has, and you feel like you're too far gone. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you know in Christ Jesus there's no condemnation for you. I want to pray for those of us today that we're trying to earn it. We're trying to be good enough. We're trying to check off the list of religion, and instead, our mind right now is governed by the things of flesh. It's being led by the things of flesh, and our, the mind of flesh cannot please God. And I, I want to invite you today to be transformed from the inside out. Every person watching today, I believe there's power in just praying that very simple prayer. I can't, but God, you can. Can we pray that together right now? God, I admit today that I can't. I can't on my own live a life that pleases you. I can't on my own ever be good enough. I can't on my own uh, be moral enough and do enough things, God, to earn my salvation, to earn this idea of holiness, God, that if your call is to be holy as I am holy, I can't do that in my strength. But you can. You can. That's the hope of the gospel is that you came. Jesus, you came so that I have hope, so that I would know that I am not condemned, so that I would know in my flesh I can't do it, but through the power of your spirit, you can. And so I invite you now, we pray this now, Father, in faith, I invite you to come and transform my mind, God. I need your help. That I need, I need your help uh, beginning in my mind to the way that I think, the, the battle that rages within me over my emotions, and I feel tossed to and fro in the ocean of, of fear and anxiety and worry that's going on around me. But God, I want to stand firm on your solid rock, your foundation, and I believe in faith that your spirit can come and day by day can transform me from the inside out. I trust you, God. I trust you. Um, God, forgive me when I try to make it about performing, when I try to make it about being good enough, when I try to make it about earning your love. God, I, I can't do that. I believe, though, through the power of your spirit that you can transform me and to live a life that pleases you that honors you, that I want to serve you, and I want to love you as you begin to transform me one day at a time. God, I believe that there is hope for each and every one of us, not because I can, but because you can. We love you, and we thank you, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.